Hi there, welcome to the Causeway Coast Vineyard podcast. We are a church who are passionate about seeing the transformation of individuals and institutions in our city through the generations to see all things new in our community. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, friends, and welcome to Causeway Coast Vineyard. My name's Trey Shepard. I'm the teaching pastor here. It is wonderful to be with you. Happy Valentine's Day. It was fun watching Becky be surprised this morning. (laughs) I didn't know that was coming, but it was still precious when it happened. And uh, this morning, I am excited to be with you and to just pick up, really, on our Position for Hope series. And this morning, I want to talk to you about what it means to be citizens of hope. And and I really want to pick up where Joel left off last week. I don't know if you caught Joel's message last week, but it was just wonderful. So I urge you to go back. You can catch it on all of our platforms and you can see the replay. But Joel left off a couple of verses at the end there as he was building. And I just want to pick up there because it sets us up for what I want to talk about today. And this is the the, the last two passages there from Philippians 3 in verses 10 and 11. And I just want to read this to you. This is what Paul's saying. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering and go all the way with him to death itself. If there was any way to get in on the resurrection from the dead, I wanted to do it. And Paul's really just throwing out there the great truth that is at the core of all that we are as followers of Jesus. You know, what Paul had explained earlier was that all the things that gave him status and power and place and position, he called them all inferior. In fact, he calls them excrement in the scriptures there because they pale in the light of this wonderful truth of knowing Jesus personally. And this is the great wonder of walking with Jesus. Alone in all the belief systems, in all religions, alone does the message of Jesus stand that the invitation is not to knowledge. The invitation isn't just to think the right things. The invitation isn't just to know what to believe. This is the great invitation of the faith of Jesus. The great invitation is to come and walk in relationship with him. That's astounding and incredible truth. And that's what's setting us up for the rest of Paul's letter. Is that the great invitation of Jesus isn't just come and believe what's right about me. The great invitation of Jesus is come and get to know me. We are welcomed into that relationship. Knowing Jesus is above everything else. Relationship is over knowledge. It's not that the knowledge isn't important. It isn't that we don't want to believe the right things, but it's that it all begins with that core of knowing Jesus. And this morning, if you're watching this morning, the invitation is to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. We're not here just to tell you what to believe. This isn't here to try to increase your knowledge. We've gathered here for a single reason, because we want to know Jesus more. Because when we get to know him, it transforms everything about our lives. And there's no better message on Valentine's Day than this. You are loved, and you are welcomed into relationship with your creator. Jesus stands this morning with his arms open wide, welcoming us in. And that sets us up for what we want to look at this morning as citizens of hope. Wonderfully, I've got some friends this morning who are going to read the passage from the scripture for us. So we're going to cut to that now. Here you go. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But I am focusing all my energies on this one thing, for 
forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I strain to reach the end of the race. To win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if in some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their future is eternal destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things. And all they think about is this life here on earth. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crime, Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Amen. 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 I love it. I love those verses every week. I get to see them a little earlier in the week, and every week they move my heart so deeply, watching parts of our family here speak out the wonderful truth of Jesus and the words of the Scripture. And I want to pick up right there at the beginning of that passage. As we've been doing, we're looking at the, the passage of Scripture in a couple of different translations. And, and, and really what they are, they're just different ways of translating the, the original languages there. And certain translations help us see different things. They're all the same story. But this morning I'm going to pick up reading in the message translation in chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And this is what Paul writes. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I'm well on my way, reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. And what we're getting at here and what Paul is talking about is taking hold of something that's been held for us. And the first thing that strikes me here in this scripture is the way that Paul reminds us that none of us have arrived. And I mean, this is Paul. Paul is one of the main authors of the New Testament. He's a guy who's already told us about all of his qualifications. And he says none of those qualifications are important compared to knowing Jesus. But even at that, Paul's going, it's a journey that he's on. That none of us have arrived. There's this beauty that our journey is ongoing. That wherever you are today, wherever I am today, we don't have to stay here. We're on an ongoing journey. And that Jesus is welcoming us into that journey. We're always reaching out to take hold of that for which Jesus has held on to us. And he's holding this for us by holding on to us. And that's why it's so powerful when we walk in humility with an attitude of teachability that we're on a journey together that we haven't arrived. And that the heart of a learner that we, we, experience, we experience and we expect increased walking in intimacy with Jesus, this is always what Jesus it's held on to us for. And we're pressing on to take hold of that. And I, and I guess I kept thinking about how to explain that image better. And I want to tell you a story about years ago when Aiden, my son, was just a little boy. 
Now, when Aiden was a little boy, we, we had the wonderful privilege of spending a few months living in Hawaii. And one of the times that we were there, um, a volcano had just erupted on the island that we were on, which sounds quite terrifying, but it was a pretty mellow eruption. But you could go and you could see the actual lava flow. And this was a huge adventure, and Aiden very much wanted to do this. So me and my best friend, a guy called Lance, who was living in Hawaii at the time, we all piled in the truck and went all the way out to where you had to go see the lava. When we got there, the, this, it was actually later in the afternoon, it was getting close to evening. And there was a ranger there, like a park ranger, who was like, it's too far, you're never going to make it. And he was like, it's such a long journey. It's so far out there. It's like a mile and a half over sharp lava and it's already growing dark and you're wearing flip-flops. And I was like, we'll be fine. <laughs> you know, just the madness of a father. And at this stage, Aiden was struggling with his feet. Aiden was unable to walk properly. He had a, an issue with his Achilles tendons and he couldn't walk very far and he couldn't run. But he wanted to see the lava. So I put him on my back. And Lance and I, with Aiden clinging onto my back, began to make the journey across those sharp rocks. And in the first part of the journey, Aiden was 100% involved. He was so excited. He was helping out. He was going, look out, Daddy, watch for that. And I mean, let me tell you, it was an arduous journey. I got a little kid on my back. I'm walking. I'm literally wearing little flip-flops, you know, those kind of shoes you wear at the beach. And we're walking across these jagged, sharp lava rocks. And it was miles. I mean, it really just took ages. And as we hiked and hiked and hiked, Aiden's excitement grew. And he was so excited. And all he had to do was hold on to me I was making the journey for him but he had to be involved he had to hold on and then we finally got there and it was this magical incredible moment of watching the lava coming out of the earth and the ground was hot under our feet and, and Aiden was so excited and, it was, and we just kind of had this moment together there and I was just like this journey has been so powerful but then of course I realized now we have to go back and it was dark by this time. You could barely see where to put your foot. One of my feet was already bleeding from stepping on a sharp rock. And I was like, man, this is going to be a wild journey. And this is the moment that Aiden says to me, Daddy, I'm too tired. And I realized that the excitement of the day, the journey that had been so long had worn him out. And so my little boy who was so tired was like, can we just stay here? And I was like, no, son, our journey's not done. But if you'll just hold on to me, I'll hold on to you. So I put him on my back wrapped his arms around my neck, and we began the journey back, and Aiden fell completely soundly asleep. He was too tired to continue that journey on his own. All he had to do was hold on at that stage, and we made it back safely. He woke up a few times. I remember once on the journey back as I wa I'm walking, I mean, it's a terrible hike, and Aiden wakes up and he goes, could you try to walk a little bit more smoothly so I can sleep? <laughs> But so often, this is what our lives are like. It's like there are moments in our life when we're so excited for our journey with Jesus. And we're like, yes, let's go. Come on, I want to go, I want to go. And there's other moments when all that we've seen and all that we've carried have worn us out so much that we just want to lay down on the ground and quit for good. And in those moments, what Paul is saying here, when he says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me, what Paul is getting at is that in those moments, all we can do is just hold on to Jesus. And this morning, here's what I want to say to you. As the scriptures urge us to press on, to chase this onward, so often what that means is that we simply hold on through this storm. These have not been easy days. For many of us, we've had moments where we just wanted to be done. But he is holding on to you. 
So this morning, no matter where you are, no matter where your heart is this morning, all we need to do is cling to the one who is holding on to us, who's taken hold of us for what he's held for us. Paul goes on to say, one thing I do, I forget what is behind, I strain toward what is ahead. And I love how Paul paints this picture of forgetting what is behind. It reminds me of the story of Eric Little, a missionary who happened to be an incredible runner, and this was years ago. And, and Eric Little was actually running in the Olympic, Olympic trials and Olympic races. And he was running an old race called the 440 yards. It's now called the 400 meters. And everyone was excited to see his performance, but as the runners made the first corner, there was a jostle and he fell down, literally fell down completely. Now the 400 meters is not a very long race. And in that moment, everyone just went, oh, it's over, he's fallen down. But instead what happened is Eric Little threw himself to his feet and from far behind the other runners began to put his head back and run with absolute abandon. And he overtook every single one of the other runners and won the race. And of course, that story was made into a film called Chariots of Fire. But the reason that that story strikes me is so often what happens is we get knocked down at a hard corner in our lives. And in those moments, the temptation is just to lay there. But what the scripture is saying to us is that we can forget what is behind and hold on again and set our hearts to what Jesus is holding on to for us. The incredible life-changing news of the gospel is that Jesus has taken hold of you and me and we can race ahead and take a hold of this resurrection life that's been promised regardless of what is behind us. Your past and my past do not have to set our future. We get to forget what is behind and set our eyes on the goal. God calling us on to hope to his resurrection life with Jesus having taken hold of us just like I held Aiden all those years ago. Let's pick up in the next verse now in verse 15. This is what Paul writes. So let's keep focused on that goal, those, who, those of us who want everything God has for us. If you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. And here's what Paul's talking about here. Paul's talking about the mark of maturity. What actually determines what makes us mature? So often we've been raised with this idea that the goal of all of our Christian life is to get to heaven. And this idea that maybe we're just here to try to endure it as best we can until we get to heaven. But that is not an accurate picture of what the Bible speaks of. In fact, what Paul is getting at here is that we're meant to be focused on this resurrection life itself. That Jesus has provided not just salvation from our sin, but through his Holy Spirit is providing his resurrection life into our lives. That we're not just here to endure until we get to heaven, but that we're here to begin walking more and more into that resurrection life until that work is completed within us in the day of Christ Jesus when heaven comes to us, when Jesus returns. It's an incredible picture. That's what Paul's getting at at the very beginning when he talks about this good work that's begun in you that Jesus will carry on to completion. Here's what's happening is that he's begun something within us. We're not enduring until a day. That day is coming closer and closer and we want to be living more and more in that reality. Why is that so powerful? And why is it so important? Because sometimes we can miss the mark of what real maturity is. The mark of maturity isn't years of church attendance. 
The mark of maturity isn't years of Bible study. That's a wonderful thing, and it's a great way to spend your time, but that's not a mark of maturity. The mark of maturity isn't years of going to different conferences and knowing all the right answers. Those aren't the things that make us mature. What the scriptures say here is the mark of maturity is a life that is focused on Jesus and his resurrection life increasing in our lives day by day. The mark of maturity is the people who get back up when they fall down and rejoin the journey even if they're stumbling forward because they're walking towards the resurrection life that Jesus has taken hold of for, for you and for me. Now through this time, through COVID, through all these lockdowns, we've struggled. Maturity isn't a measure of whether or not you or I have struggled in this time. Maturity is a measure of whether we get back up and set our hearts and our hopes again as citizens of hope on this resurrection life that he has held on to for us. And this morning, here's the thing that I know, I know that some of us, for some of you maybe this morning, you've fallen down and the dark whisper in the back of your heart is that this is done and it was all useless anyway. But I want you to hear the loud, wondrous truth of Jesus this morning. He's taken hold of you and you can get back no matter what last night held, this morning holds new hope. No matter what this year has hurt or broken or robbed, this morning holds new hope because his resurrection life has been held onto by him for you and for me. The citizens of hope aren't people who never experience hardship. They're not people who never experience failure or brokenness. The citizens of hope are those who know that even in our hardship and our failure and our brokenness, Jesus has taken a hold of us and we can rise to our feet again in his strength even when our strength is finished. The citizens of hope are people who know that even when their own hope has run dry, his hope never fails. No trial, no disaster, no calamity, no pandemic can overcome the resurrection hope of Jesus for you and for me. Because see, when Jesus is in the picture, there is always hope. Now I know that sounds unrealistic. But hear my heart, there is no situation that he does not bring hope and resurrection to, not a single one. We sing a song here sometimes, and, and I've, people have come to me about one of the lyrics, and this is what the lyric in the song says. It says this, and it's talking about Jesus. And basically what it says is when you walk into the room, Jesus, when you walk into the room, every hopeless situation ceases to exist. And people have said to me, but the situation doesn't cease to exist. And that's not the point of the song. What the point is saying is this, is that the situation may still exist, but hope has entered the story now. No matter how broken the situation is, when Jesus walks into it, hope enters the story. Because in our deepest grief, he is our resurrection. Yesterday, my uncle Tom, my dear uncle Tom died. And just the day before I had spoken to him, he had been ill and we, we knew that he would die at some stage. I guess like we know that of everyone, but I think that perhaps we all thought we had more time. But I managed to get to speak to him on FaceTime and he was unable to speak, but he could hear me. And I, 
And as I saw him there on the other side of the ocean in that hospital bed, everything felt so hopeless. As I told him I loved him for a final time, I, the grief and the, the hopelessness of the situation, I, I thought of my Aunt June. I thought of my cousins, Scott and Tessa, and my Uncle Tom's grandchildren. I thought of all the family members, all of us in that moment. And then I remembered this, that even in the place of death, there is hope because Jesus has defeated death itself. And so even in that final goodbye, it is not a hopeless situation because my hope is set in the resurrection life of Jesus this day and on that day and for all my days. Because in our deepest grief, he is still our resurrection. In our worst failure, he is still our resurrection. In our greatest trial, he is still our resurrection. And even in the face of death itself, Jesus is our resurrection hope. And we have walked through dark, hard days. All of us are carrying the scars. All of us are carrying burdens that we probably never imagined Valentine's Day a year ago. But through this dark valley, let me tell you the truth again, he is our hope. There is no situation that when Jesus enters, hope ceases to exist because hope comes alive even in the worst of circumstances. And maturity isn't the ability to handle those days with perfect answers or perfect solutions or even perfect reactions. Maturity is knowing that even in the deepest valleys we are citizens of hope because Jesus is our resurrection and even death itself has been defeated by his glorious power. That's the invitation of the word of God is to come to a place where there is always hope at the side, at the feet, in the arms of the resurrection Savior, Jesus. Paul goes on, picking up in verse 17. Stick with me, friends, he writes. Keep track of those you see who are running the same course, headed for this same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, and trying to get you to go along with them. And I've warned you of them many times. Sadly, I'm having to do it again. All they want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross, but easy street is a dead-end street. And those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praise. All they can think of is their appetites. What Paul's writing about here, and again, he's coming off the back of writing about this, this enduring hope, and he's, he's talking about the mark of maturity, and then what he begins to do is he begins to go, what is setting your compass? What is your compass? What's setting your direction? You know, one of my most abiding memories of growing up, I you know, grew up in the South, in America, and um, I have a wonderful family. I have a brother and a sister, and my mom and my dad, and every summer, we used to make these crazy summer trips, these summer treks. My dad would set up a few places to preach across the western part of America, and we'd all pile into a camper. And then we would, you know, like a caravan. And then we would drive across America. And we'd try to take in all the national parks. Now, you have to understand that, you know, this was all on a shoestring budget. And you got to understand as well that we were like three little kids acting like demented gibbons in the back of a caravan with my dad trying to navigate his way across America. 
And this is long before GPS. And my dad is the kind of guy who wanted to get up at 5 a.m. And he was like, we're going to get out of here. We're going to be leaving the campground at 4.30 in the morning. You know, and he would get up and he'd look at the map and he'd set his journey. And then he would, he would head out. And, then, and, and my dad was obsessed with making good time. If my father found a shortcut that took 30 minutes off what he projected a journey, it was like discovering the treasure of the Sierra Madre, right? Because my dad loved to make good time. But this is long before GPS, so it's not like my dad's got a map that's telling him where to go. My dad's looked at the map in the morning and set his course, and then we've just headed out across America. Now, the problem is that when you're traveling, sometimes the road signs don't always, they're not always there. You're not always sure where you are. So my mother, my mother being much more pragmatic, would often unfold the map. And, and, and for those of you, I mean, there's, there's, we have such a young team around here this morning. You guys don't know this. We used to have these things with paper on them and lines that showed us where the words were. And you had to open them. And my mom, if you can imagine my mom sitting up front of my dad, my mom would begin to unfold the map and it would like take up the whole front seat and my dad would be trying to move it so he could see. And my mom would be tracing where we were and she'd be like, Glenn, that's my dad's name, I don't think we're going in the right direction. I don't think this is the right road. And my dad would be like, don't worry, don't worry. You know? And my mom would be like, Glenn, I'm not sure we're going in the right direction. And I cannot tell you how many times my dad said these words, it doesn't matter, we're making great time. And let me tell you, that's a 100% true story. I know my parents watch this. Dad, I'm sorry, but that is the truth. <laughs> so often in our lives, here's the problem. We can get off track in our lives. We, we can get, some of us are just so, we're way, way off track in our lives. But we're so distracted by the fact that we're making good time that we're in danger of missing the direction of our journey. So often, in, in, in this time in our lives, it's like we could go, well, I'm, you know, I'm, I, everything's going well, I'm, you know, my job's good, I'm making good money, all this kind of stuff, and we can go, I am making good time, but we don't actually take a moment sometimes to sit down again and go, where am I actually going? And this is what Paul's getting at here. And the, and the weird thing for all of us is that we're in danger of that distraction of making such good time that we miss the direction. There's never been a time quite like this in human history. There's never been a more crucial time for us to check our compasses again, though. There's never been a more crucial time to take the maps of our hearts back out in the light of Jesus and make sure that we're not just making good time, but that we're actually traveling in the journey and the destination and the journey and the direction that he has called us to. Now, we're coming into land. Paul picks up there in verse 20. And this is what he goes on to say. But there's far more to life for us. And what he's saying there is there's far more to life for us than just making good time on this journey. <laughs> In fact, what I would argue with you is that whether or not you're making good time isn't the question. It's what's the direction of your travel this morning. He goes on to say, there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're awaiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be, under and around him. My dear, dear friends, I love you so much. I do want the very best for you. You make me feel such joy. You fill me with such pride. Don't waver. Stay on track. Steady in God. And this is the real key to being citizens of hope. It's the truth that when our lives are in Jesus, that we're not just citizens of hope, we're citizens of heaven. That the citizens of hope are always people who are citizens of heaven. Now, when Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians, 
Philippi at the time was a colony of Rome. It was the aftermath of a battle in BC 42, part of the Roman Civil War. I won't get into all the history there. But the people living there in that colony of Rome, they saw themselves as citizens of Rome. And, and what that meant is that they embraced and valued Roman culture. They worked to spread the influence and the teachings of Rome. And, and at that time, they were caught up in this cult of Caesar because people believed that this political leader, Caesar, was an actual god. So what they did is everything about their culture was built around this idea that if, say, like a barbarian tribe from the north came and invaded Philippi, that they were citizens of Rome, so therefore their savior, Caesar, would come. Paul's writing into the middle of that understanding. He's writing to a people who understand what it means to be an, an outpost of Rome, carrying the Roman culture. And he's saying, you're not citizens of that anymore. You're citizens of heaven. He's drawing an exact contrast to that. And here's what he's getting at, is that we as followers of Jesus, here's what we are. Wherever we are, that place becomes an outpost of heaven. Because we're carrying the resurrection life, the culture, the wonder, the love, the forgiveness, the mercy, the grace, the healing of the culture of heaven. We carry it. And in the same way, we eagerly await. That's what Paul writes. We're eagerly awaiting the return of our rescuer, Jesus, who one day these outposts of heaven become overwhelmed when heaven comes down with the return of Jesus. So see, as citizens of heaven, this means that we, as we set the directions of our life, we're meant to be living, bringing the hope of heaven, the healing of heaven, the freedom of heaven to wherever we are. Here, Colerain, the North Coast, Agadui, Balamina, the nation of Northern Ireland. Here's the thing, wherever there are people who love and follow Jesus, it becomes an outpost of heaven, and we get to carry heaven's wonder and heaven's beauty. We're here to bring that culture of blessing and influence of heaven in our everyday lives. We don't look to a political leader. We don't look to a political leader. We don't look to a government. We don't look to a conspiracy theory. We look to a resurrection savior and we eagerly await that day. And don't you long for that. Paul writes that Jesus will be making everything as it should be. And that's why even now in these tired old bodies in the middle of this long dark pandemic we get to live as citizens of hope because resurrection is coming even in my grief our grief even as we walk through brokenness together through lockdowns losses and trials we can live as citizens of hope because resurrection is coming even in the darkest part of the deepest night of these valleys we live as citizens of hope looking for the dawn to break over the mountain because resurrection is coming and the way that we stay on track steady in God is that we set our eyes to the mountain again because resurrection is coming. Benjamin's gonna come and play just as we take a minute to respond. There's just a few quick things I wanna pray with, pray with you about this morning. For some of you this morning, you need to hear that. For some of you this morning, it's been so dark and so hard for so long that it's hard to raise your eyes. And here's the invitation of Jesus. Look again to where hope is coming. Resurrection is coming. Just a few quick things that I want to bring just as we close. The first one is this, forgetting what is behind. This morning, no matter where you've been or what you've walked through, here's the great news of Jesus. 
we could forget what is behind. We get to walk away. We get to get up from our worst failures, not in our strength, but in his strength. No matter what you're carrying this morning, the hand of Jesus is outstretched to lift you again from that place of darkness into hope again. And this morning, if you've never given your whole life to Jesus, if you've never forgotten what is behind and begin to look towards hope, this is your moment to welcome Jesus into all that you are. And it's a simple prayer. Jesus, I am going to forget what is behind. I'm sorry for what went before, but now all that I am and all that I have and all that is ahead of me is yours. Would you come into my life? Make me a citizen of hope. Wherever you are, you can pray that prayer this morning. You don't need to be in a church. You can be in your front room. You can be on a bus. You can be anywhere because he hears when we call. The second thing is this. For some of us, we're just trapped in the now. We're making good time, but we're trapped in the now. This morning, if that's you, and it's time to once again reset your compass, here's what I would say to you. Take courage. Take courage in the resurrection hope that he is holding on to for you this morning. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. Wherever we are, whatever places that we've gathered, whether we're in front rooms, wherever we are, I pray that your resurrection would hope would come. Lord, where we may be carrying grief or shame, where we're carrying pain from the past, where we may feel trapped in the now, where we may be in that realization that we've made good time, but we've missed our direction. Would you just lift us again and carry us to hope? carry us. The journey that we can't make on our own, the journey that we're too tired for, the journey that we just want to lay down and be done with. Carry us to hope this morning, Jesus. The good news is that resurrection is coming. What we're chasing isn't a destination. We're chasing a deeper relationship. And in the same way that I held my little boy on my back all those years ago, Jesus takes us on and carries us from our brokenness towards hope again. And we see that dawn breaking as we rise, citizens of hope, because of the resurrection power of our Lord Jesus. May the Lord bless you May you know his hope and his peace today. May his grace meet you wherever you are. And in the name of Jesus, I bless you with hope. I'm gonna turn it back over to the guys now as we close. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. For more information, resources, and opportunities, you can check us out at cosmicoastvineyard.com.